You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 203, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this edition of Look at My Records, I spoke with Duncan Trost and Nick Corso of New Orleans indie pop duo The Convenience. The two friends and collaborators have been playing music together for the better part of the last half decade, but The Convenience has really picked up steam over the last year with the release of their fantastic debut full-length Accelerator on Windspear. Originally meeting while studying music at Loyola University in New Orleans, Trost and Corso would eventually join their friend Grady Bell in his project Fish Plate before meeting Ross Favre of Video Age. Joining that up-and-coming group during the recording of their second album, Pop Therapy. During downtime in between tours with Video Age, the two began cultivating ideas and songs for the convenience, culminating in their groove-laced debut full-length. During our interview, Trost and Corso shared the story of how they first met jamming in their college dorm, how playing in video age and working with Favre has influenced the convenience, what songs from Accelerator they're most looking forward to playing live, and much more. Plus, they picked some awesome records from my record collection, including cuts from Prince, Marvin Gaye, and the DBs. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right. I'm Tom. I'm here with Nick and Duncan of the awesome New Orleans-based band, The Convenience. Your new record, Accelerator, is out now via Windspear. Congratulations on the release of this really fun, exciting record. It's a great listen, cover to cover. I find myself tapping my toes a whole fucking lot while I'm listening (laughs) to this album. So, how are you? It's great that this record is out and everybody can enjoy it now. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Um, it it feels good. It feels yeah, really good. Really exciting. It's been a long, long time waiting to finally put it out. Yeah, I can't wait to talk all about that and just the story behind this project and kind of the journey that you've underwent from, I guess, around when it started, 2017, 18, until now. But before we get into that, I know you're both, not originally from New Orleans, I believe. Duncan, you're from New Jersey. Nick, you're from San Francisco. Duncan, I'm also from New Jersey, so that's oh my god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where, yeah. where in Jersey are you from? I'm actually talking to you right now from Jersey City. New oh Jersey. my god! Cool. I'm from this town called Hohokus, 
which is in Bergen County, like North Hell Jersey. Oh yeah, I know Hohokus. Great town name. Cute little town. Probably one of the greatest town names in the history of towns. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah I think it's yeah. I mean, it's yeah, like Native, Native American, like indigenous name. I think. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's a uh, it's a cute town. It's next to a lot of, you know, Jersey. It's like so. There's so many little, you know, towns near it. Ridgewood, Paramus, Hackensack. Yeah, yeah. totally. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Really cool. So I know you both came to New Orleans to study music there. What do you remember about first meeting each other? Did you meet at school and were you collaborators immediately? We Yes and no. It was kind of a weird... Because we did meet early on and we did technically collaborate very early on. But it was like my freshman year, someone on my floor was like, my friend made these songs, we need keys. Are you down to do it? And so then I met up and we did it. And that was like when I first met Nick and I heard these songs and they were like incredible. I was like, I can't believe someone wrote these songs. And then that was that. And then we didn't really like link back up until years later years like six years later or something yeah. after after school <laughs> were you still kind of rolling in similar music circles or was it like a clean break for that six-year period at that point when we had first met there was no there were no real music circles to speak of or you know we were in the it was more like a dorm dorm room uh, yeah. chatter like yeah. just someone on the floor below us is making music. Let's yeah. see what's going on. It was like really casual and naive and um, fun. But yeah, I had no idea about any sort of like local music scene or anything like that. It was it's very much college bubble at that point. So, at what point did you start collaborating again, and that, and then get involved in playing music in New Orleans? Because it's such a unique music scene and a cool music scene yeah it was uh we we ended up playing together because we had a mutual friend who was like sort of you know we weren't like super close i had classes with my friend grady who you were close with yeah grady was like my older brother we played in bands for a long time and he was a little bit older and uh we just got really close um and he writes amazing songs and he actually did the he works as a designer now and he did the cover uh, art for accelerator and uh, everything we've done he's done the art for um but yeah he, he's a really amazing songwriter too and he had a band called fish plate and so we were playing in that um yeah yeah i would like i said something to grady like if you need keys because he would always talk to me about it and he made songs like with keyboards and then he's like i want to do it like you want to play keys in the band and then like through that i ended up playing with nick in fish plate and that was like when we were like actually started. That's when we started hanging out too. Actually yeah. started hanging out. Yeah, do you remember how exactly the two of you kind of broke off and realized you may have some kind of musical chemistry together and that you wanted to pursue outside of that project? Well, we had a really great time making the Fishplate album um, kind of all together as a group it was just like really easy and fun and creative um and so 
that just stuck with me as an amazing experience that I wanted to do over and over again. Yeah. Um, and then Ross from Video Age was actually recording that, was engineering that album at a studio. And so that's kind of how he became aware of us and how we were asked to join Video Age. But it wasn't until we were like playing in Video Age for a while um, that we started working on songs together. Yeah, we. I feel like we always had a bond musically and just like, you know, we just got along, but then we like slowly realized that we had similar tastes and like similar training almost. Like mm -hmm. we connected a lot in terms of, at least for me, like in terms of performing and like playing instruments and stuff. Like we could like nerd out and, you know, be like, try this, whatever. And then, so then we just, and then we had a practice space with Video Age and we we're like, maybe we should go just the two of us and work on songs. So we did that for a while. Very nice. And yeah, you're both members of Video Age. You play with Ross and Ray of Video Age. Great, great band. And I noticed in listening to your new record, Accelerator, and Pop Therapy and the Video Age record that came out last year, that there's kind of a connecting fiber between the three of them in the the sound you know it's more groove based and uh, more funky than say compared with the first video age record which i also really liked and remember uh, distinctly of being more like guitar based indie rock so i was curious was your involvement with video age you joined around 2018 kind of along around the time where they kind of underwent a shift in sound uh, what role did you play with that? How did you get involved with Video Age? And did you two kind of play a role in that change in their sound, the direction of their sound? We joined when they were right in the middle of working on uh, Pop Therapy. So, uh, they, yeah, they already kind of had an idea of where they wanted to go. Yeah. I think. But then we ended up playing a few things. So just bringing like some... I played some keyboards. Duncan on it. especially is like all over that album. Um, but Ross and Ray really had like, they had a vision for it for sure. But it, it was like, it, I guess it would probably from that and then into Pledgeline and into Accelerator, just the four of us had such a, have such a bond. And like, totally. And similar interests. I, yeah. And I, I think, I would say we have a, we had a much bigger influence on pleasure line if that's fair to say because we were in the room the whole time and yeah. it's a little pop therapy is an amazing record and it's so minimalist and i think the two of us are kind of the polar opposite we're like yeah put as much stuff in as possible let's like try anything so i think we we did like there's a little more going on on like it's less uh stark than pop therapy is i think um the pleasure line is and i think mm -hmm. that was I would say we had some probably, probably we're, we're <laughs> we responsible did, yeah. for that. I think <laughs> good totally. or bad. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? That's very good. That's a great, great record. And video age is a great, great band. So did you get involved with video age and playing with Ross and Ray mainly from sharing a practice space or did you, were you connected before that as well? It was because, yeah, I feel like we gave you a bunch of info, but it was, we did that record with, with Fishplate. Yeah, with our friend Grady. And Ross engineered and mixed 
that at the studio. Yeah. And that was like, we did it in, I don't know, three days, three or days and finished it. And then like right after Ross was like, Hey, we're going to South by Southwest. Do you guys want to come and play? Nick would play bass and I would play keys. And then I like went to a show and saw a video eight show. And then he sent me the demos. He sent me like a SoundCloud link. And then we started practicing and went to South by like soon after. So that was like when Very cool. that's how we like. So how about your collab? Yeah. Very cool. How'd your collaborations with them inform this project? If you think at all. Um, so much so, yeah. I, you know, I've learned so much from both of them. Um, Ray is just a songwriting genius. Yeah, it's machine. Ross is too, but and Ross also has this like incredible ear and kind of uh, you know like attention to detail as far as production goes. So I, I, they're like my mentors. And when I first came to New Orleans, like they both played in a bunch of bands all the time and they were my idols. Like I looked up to them so much, even eight years ago, like I knew them and loved their music. So, um, I would say they had so much influence over me and the way I make music. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah, like they're, they're playing their, their songwriting and playing and then ear, like ear for production and like a vision is just constantly inspiring. Like, I just feel like, it's just huge, like, always makes me want to just get better at my instrument and everything. Yeah. And then I think kind of, we all kind of got interested in the idea of making more groove based music kind of at the, at similar times, but they yeah. were definitely a big influence on why I, you know, and changing kind of the way I thought about putting things together. Yeah. I'm really curious about when your interest in this, more groove-based music really took hold for the two of you. Your first EP is is really great, too. It's really like jangly kind of psych pop, though. And you listen to that, and you listen to this record, and totally different-sounding music, both very, very good and poppy in their own right. So tell me about your journey sound-wise up until this point. This project kind of started... Um, where it sounds like guitars played more of a prominent role on your first EP and your early songs, and now this is more groove-based and poppier, funkier-sounding music, uh, the songs on Accelerator. I think, I think like, our combination together, like, because uh, the way that I thought about Nick and thought about you, like, because you were such a song writer, like, was, like, a song guy, and I grew up just playing... I was just obsessed with like groove basically like R&B and soul and funk and that was like I feel like especially on a song like On My Way or something where it was like this funky clav thing but so that that maybe was the beginning of that combination of like trying to do funkier stuff together I guess yeah but that was because like that's just what I grew up being obsessed with was like Stevie Wonder and stuff and I I also think that when we first started, I was like kind of taking on most of the writing or all of the writing for the early stuff. And I, at that point, I, it had been a while since I had like made my own music and I kind of had lost confidence and 
um, it was just really hard. Like it had been a long time and I was feeling kind of depressed and I, I felt like I needed to go back and learn how to do it again. So I think a lot of those early songs are me going back to the things I loved most as a child, like the Beatles and the Kinks and all this yeah, classic yeah. rock stuff that totally. I kind of grew up with and like processing that and like just relearning how to write a song. Um, and, and so I think that was the way I was able to do that. And then once we started working together more, we just got more comfortable um, trying to find new ways of, mm -hmm. of doing stuff and experimenting a lot. Um, and yeah, and we also, yeah. And just like sharing things and being like, what if we did a song like this? Yeah. Like not feeling limited by what we genre we like had to make as a kind of like being in like the indie sphere maybe and just like loving pop music yeah big, big pop music yeah it's definitely very poppy in a gr in a great way and i found it interesting because pop can be such a dirty word especially when you're younger i find and then as I've gotten older, I've learned to really embrace it for what it is, which is great sounding music that's rooted in what people like to hear, what's pleasing to the ear. So a lot about this project is really rooted in the tenets of good pop music and what makes a song catchy and infectious. What about pop music is most appealing to you and what do you think makes a good pop song? That's a tough question but i'm <laughs> curious to hear what your take on you that is this, uh... <clears throat> um i yeah i love pop music because it gives me a feeling that nothing else does really yeah um and what i think i is most there are a lot of things like melody does something by itself to you just that you can't even put into words it's like um it's like seeing something visually that is pleasing. You can't really, it's not, you can try to break it down to uh, science or something, but to me it transcends, the, that's the thing that's so great about it is it transcends language or something. Um, like when you hear something melodically that moves you, it's like magic, you know, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is I, I've been really just, as I get older, like you're saying, I really am moved by simple things things that are like uh, one idea that's presented so uh, just simply and beautifully and honestly that you can't help but be like uh, moved I feel like I'm saying moved a lot but moved by it. Mm -hmm. yeah. and and I get kind of I get a thrill from like seeing someone pull off it really simple song because i know it's the hardest thing to do oh, to yeah, like totally. to kind of uh strip away anything anything ephemeral and like try to get to um just the meat of something you know um and i think great pop music does that while also being exploratory and mm -hmm. you know experimental but it's still at its core like it has to it's not 20 minute songs like it's not exploring every angle of something it's kind of um distilling yeah and it's an like experience. taking I feel like something that you really like want or whatever like you do so well with is like taking a structure and then stretching it and that's what like gets me just so excited like a yeah that's like 
it's the same chords that you've heard, but they flip it and the melody and like can just be something you've never heard. But it's like, it's just using different elements and piecing them together like this puzzle thing that it makes it new and just so exciting. Yeah. But it's like using some rules and then breaking them, I guess. And like getting away with stuff. I don't know, yeah, I feel like that's... Yeah, it. it's like the little changes that give it meaning or something, you know. When you, if we're talking about... Yeah. I feel like we're going a little deep here, but yeah. if we're talking about like song structure, it's the little things that can make it um, feel fresh or something totally. or exciting. So this project has existed for a few years now, but things have really picked up over the last year with the, the release of your full length. It seems like this kind of went from a side project to something that's you know, you're putting a lot more time and energy into. Uh, wh what was that transition like and how'd that happen? Yeah, I don't know. We, <clears throat> it was such a slow process of making the record, but <clears throat> I feel like the more that we started working on it, the more like we started collaborating and like finding some type of vision and some type of like world that we wanted the songs to live in that we were both just more like, yeah, we can we can like make a full record. And then, uh, and we did it all like at Nick's house, kind of like just in his room, in his studio, in his house. And then uh, and then we decided to link up with Ross, who's gonna help us re-record some things, like kind of step up the production value. And then fast forward to when we finished it and like getting, kind of like sharing it with people and seeing if anyone wanted to help i don't know it, it we really had no had expectations no and it was the beginning of the pandemic and yeah. i think we were both pretty down about what was gonna like not that we i think we didn't expect anything to happen which would have been fine because we love making it and um but it was like what is we gonna what are we gonna do with this thing like mm -hmm. um and but then we just put out the so yeah like really it started from like when we put out the first single not through Winspear when we put out uh, Kiss Me in Heaven. With, yeah. Just like on YouTube or something and then on Spotify. And then and then we sent it to some people. And obviously we knew Winspear because of Video Age. Yeah, Video and they Age, yeah. like immediately hit, hit us back and were like, we really like the record. And that obviously was like, yeah, especially after post like pandemic, just being like, what, what are we doing? And then that, <laughs> That kind of was like a light at the end of the, in terms of just like the, how we were going to put out the record. Cause yeah, I would have been happy either way to just put it out. But this, but like, it did make me real realize like, oh, this is a, we did make like a, an album. It's not yeah. just a mess. Like if someone wants to help, that's just the biggest boost of confidence mm -hmm. sort of. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we've been like just taking it a little more serious than we have in, in the past. Um, but yeah. Awesome. It's a great record and it's cool that Winspear, great label, is putting it out. Ross from Video Age produced and mixed this record, as you mentioned. What was it like working with him since you know him so well? You've collaborated with him in Video Age. Was it a pretty easy process then to work with someone that you know so well and collaborate with? So you're kind of very much on a similar wavelength musically. I, I feel like you and Ross have are always on the same page. Like you have <laughs> you guys can like speak this language in terms of production things like 
and he, we're all so close, so we could like meet up with him and like really dive kind of, we dove really deep into like, well, first the like recording process was really fun and he helped us so much like mm -hmm. with the drums and with keyboard sounds and just like a lot of like the bass tracks on the songs, like he helped tremendously. And then when it came to mixing, like we could go to his house and hang out and like really take our time with it. Yeah, uh, which is because we're both like we were open to outside sources, but we also were like had a vision of like what we wanted it to sound like. So it just was so helpful that we had someone like that that was like down to go there. Who could make it happen too? Like yeah. Ross went above and beyond to make it sound um, the way it the way it does. Like he, it's it's him <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. That, they sound the like the we ended up we put so many tracks on yeah. these songs and like I feel so bad that we just dumped these things on him but he he really turned it into something um, that we're I'm really proud of you know and that, that's his hard work that got us there for sure. He's a great, really versatile producer because I talked earlier this year to Max from Max and the Martians, another mm -hmm. uh, New Orleans band. And he, Russ produced that record too. And it's a totally great record, but obviously very different sounding record than the Video Age records and this record as well. So it's cool uh, to see his work, his different kinds of work that he does. Yeah, he's so talented. He did, he engineered an amazing Esther Rose album too that came mm -hmm. out, I think, last year. That's a great record as well. Yeah. Um, Father Daughter, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, nothing but like, yeah, the whole thing, like working with Ross and with Ray too, because Ray played drums on all the songs that have real drums are Ray. Um, so yeah, it's just like really great to like feel comfortable in that setting, especially because a lot of the songs, like we did these kind of demos but they're pretty fleshed out but uh just really kind of going for certain things and then sharing them with ross and he was just like immediately down and wanted to go there and then we could like feel comfortable in the in a studio setting to yeah. like, do it feeling <laughs> safe is yeah. so like feeling safe to take the risks and make stuff that could potentially sound insane yeah. is so important i think you know you have yeah. to kind of yeah so it was, it was like just being around family the whole time which is great that's the best for sure. <laughs> so something you had mentioned with respect to making your music is that you're really into world building, uh, making music that kind of could exist in its own world. Uh, why is that important to you? How do you go about doing that? And how do you know when you're kind of nailing that music, writing music that would, you know, that sounds like otherworldly almost? <laughs> I don't know, I feel like for this, like, at least with my, because a lot of this, like, some of the songs were, you know, Nick's songs, and then some of them we wrote together. But it was kind of helpful, at least, like, to have you as kind of like a backboard of, like, having these ideas and then how they were going to be executed through your voice and through your own, like, self. Which I feel like you had, Nick had such a good grasp on, like, finding, like, meaning through everything no matter like how crazy the idea was or like finding a way to pinpoint like, okay, this is the thing. Like, this is cool. Like, let's focus on that. And that's going to fit into this whole kind of sphere. And it's like slow. It was like a slow thing, but 
And then it was just also just like sound, kind of like being inspired by sounds and how that could like influence a whole song maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I think it's it, it's not something you know when you've yeah. done it or something. You know, it's like it's really just something to to reach for. Um, uh, and I think we were consciously trying to pick sounds that were maybe strange and in that sort of um, uh, uncanny valley, like fake strings, fake horns, things that were trying to attempt to sound like the real thing, but don't quite. And they can almost be read as cheesy in certain contexts, but I think they have a beauty of, you know, their own. So that was really inspiring, sort of diving into that. Lots, you know, plasticky textures and and things like that were really inspiring us. And I think it was just trying to follow the lead of the artists we love, like Mm -hmm. Kate Bush and Prince and people that really, their records don't sound like anyone else's. Like, in the mixing, in in the sounds they use, they're like, you realize that the best artists are always using stuff that people are other people are maybe scared to you know mm-hmm. or or something like um that's it can be a sign that you're on the right track i think um when a sound kind of makes you laugh or mm-hmm. do a double take at first you know yeah um, <laughs> so a lot of weird like we really goofing, goofing off yeah but that's what that's what i like yeah i mean to mention like prince or something because a lot of this i feel like came from this like obsession together like going so deep into Prince's material and like unreleased material and all this crazy stuff. And I've read like way too much about his process and how he would just like completely explore a new keyboard, crazy sounds, and just be like goofing off like him and maybe one collaborator. Yeah. And like, he's so serious about it, but like finding a way to, to do something that he's just surprised by and like, and then he's jamming with himself like but we're doing that together obviously but like doing this having this wild part on a crazy sound and being like okay what's gonna fit with that you know? yeah yeah it's a it's like making a puzzle for yourself yeah. or something but and you yeah you want to be like spontaneous in the moment and just throw something out and yeah. make it work and that's those are the best moments mm-hmm. when we were making the stuff and yeah, Duncan's that's- the best keyboardist ever so it makes it easy yeah <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> hell yeah yeah, that fun definitely comes through in the music on this record. So, That's good. Saturday's Child, probably my favorite song on the record. Uh, you shared the backstory of that track uh, and the video recently on Instagram. And I really liked the backstory because I felt like it's, it's this bright and positive song that you were able to kind of extract from maybe experiences where you were doubting yourself or not feeling super confident in yourself. So it was cool that this positive sounding track and this fun sounding song was able to kind of come out of that. Tell us a little bit about the backstory behind that song. Well, yeah, I think it's a song about maybe a, It's kind of looking back on a period in my life after college where I was probably drinking too much and not really in control of my life and depressed and unsure like what I was going to do. 
and also, um, and this, it's the same stuff I, <laughs> I'm dealing with now that I don't drink anymore, but, um, like just feeling like maybe I should have had a career by now or should have been living some differently maybe, or, or, uh, it, all those pressures that you you feel that everyone feels yeah, yeah. but very relatable I, experiences yeah and and so i think it was maybe j it's like a a way to tell myself it's okay you don't need to live life it like there are no rules you have it's making it up as you go along everyone's just doing the best they can and and you don't have to you have to remind i have to constantly remind myself that you don't need to have what everyone has in life like yeah, the, you can live your own way and that's cool that's beautiful you know so the fears and anxiety and everything that comes with it is from these outside things that don't matter but yeah. it's like impossible to like completely ignore them yeah like it's always kind of there but like yeah the, it'll that'll just get in the way of being happy making things yeah because that's like the like making this stuff and hearing it for the first time and like and then making like a new version, hearing it back and just freaking out was like the best thing ever. Yeah. But it's like, it's almost about the stuff after when it's like, you're not making it or playing it. You're just like thinking about it. Too or much. you're working some horrible service industry job just to pay your rent and yeah. you don't, but, and maybe, and you and your friends get a little too wild on a Saturday night. And it's like, why am I doing it? But, um, there's a freedom and a beauty and you know not i think that obviously people should be getting paid way more for said service industry jobs mm -hmm. but um but yeah there's there's like it's okay to be living month to month and trying to make the music thing work like it's it's like the it's a lifelong thing it's not really a you know i'm not we're not trying to get rich quick so yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's the long uh lifestyle yeah totally that was word vomit, no but, but yeah just being still trying to yeah not giving up and still being confident yeah in yourself because there's beauty in that too in the just even if no one cares just you know you it's because i know i feel i have the need to do it like i i can't not do it i feel crazy and frustrated and destructive when i don't do it so gotta keep doing it keep making music yeah. convenience keep <laughs> doing it so the video for this track was really cool shot in new york how'd mm -hmm. you come up with the concept for it that was just um my, cause my sister chloe stars uh, in the video is is the the lead you know and she um it was early covid she was quarantining with my parents in New Jersey because she lives in New York, but she was quarantining with my parents and I was in New Orleans and we were talking like every day, just kind of like, it was like the heavy lockdown. And then I was sharing with her the songs and I was sending like updated mixes and whatever. And she just like really, really liked the record and she really liked that song. And she was just like, I'm thinking about running all over the city. Like, and she was like, getting out of the house, like walking around just to stop thinking about like uh, everything going on or, or like trying to escape a little bit. And 
And I was like, that sounds great. Like, let's, let's do it. And then it somehow came together. It's kind of like this beautiful thing because her comedy group called Lisa is so many people. And they shot it like everyone was vaccinated finally. And it was like finally safe to kind of do a video. And they still did it outside, you know. And it was like right before everything, everyone started doing like more things again and like separating off into smaller groups. So it was like, it almost just shouldn't have happened. Like everything, you know, like, but it did. And, I, and I'm really happy about it. I, I think it's so funny. Great Agreed. video. Accelerator parts one and two, first track on the record, another standout song. Very cool way to start the album, too. What's the story behind that track? And I noticed it's parts one and two, and you could really hear where part two starts and where part one ends. I feel like the first part four minutes are clearly part one, kind of like one song, and then the last minute and a half is part two. Were those like originally two separate songs that you decided to combine? And if so, why'd you decide to combine them? I'm interested to hear the backstory on how this track came together. It was always one song. It was always one song. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, we made the, yeah, the first half was like, we had a version of it for like two years after we had made those early songs, we were just making weird music like all the time, like once a week mm -hmm. coming together and making just a strange song, trying all sorts of types of stuff. Yeah. And so we made a song with that. That was like a bass line. The bass line from the accelerator was bass line that we had been jamming forever. And we made like a, Bruno Mars, like 24 karat magic. Slow, funky. Yeah, like yeah that. that's that's like right around, yeah. It's like slows down and gets like really like chilled out and like, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I know exactly and, what you're talking about, yeah. And then we were like, okay, this is a little weird. So then we, this isn't quite working. So then we just sped it up one day and, and, uh, the rest of the first half of the song like happened really quickly at home um, written in like one day. And it just, it's like one of those great moments where things just come together and it's really exciting. And so then we were thinking like, but how do we end it? What the heck do we do? Um, and I think it was, just I think like, it just made, cause you had the part in the song where it's like, the end of the chorus yeah with that big vocal like stack thing like the and it's queen really epic harmony part, and i think yeah. it just like immediately sparked this kind of classical thing yeah da -da 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 -da. we were like, really so picturing i was pic up. yeah i was like duncan imagine you're wearing a frilly collar and yeah. playing a harpsichord and so that was really <laughs> the yeah and we just thought is you know we got to go full mozart and that's and that is a great example of like what we'll do musically together where it's just like exploring melody. So it was just just very stream of consciousness, like melodic things back and forth. Yes. Yeah. And then just building it in that moment and and uncracking up. Just being yeah, like, Yeah, we were oh laughing so hard when we were making that. But it's not a joke. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's more like I love music that sounds like that. And I love music on synthesizers that sounds like that. Like um Wendy Carlos did the Switched on Bach record. Mm -hmm. And like, I just love that. And 
it's in some Kubrick movie too. I, I think that was the first time I heard that stuff. And um, there's something about like I love that world of yeah. sound and um, and kind of combining like futuristic thing with an older uh, style. You know, it's really yeah. exciting and and creates a third thing. Like we're talking like doing that kind of mashup of of uh eras and styles yeah and it just called for the spoken part we had mm-hmm. to do it so it Got wasn't comfortable doing that i was very uncomfortable with that part but worth i it. loved it yeah worth it you got you had to do it and you yeah. did it <laughs> <laughs> so i think you you haven't played these songs live yet or maybe maybe no. you have you haven't right Never played a show, yeah. Which tracks from the record are you most excited to play in the live setting? I know my answer. I'm pretty psyched about... (laughs) I'm pretty psyched about all of them. (laughs) But... uh, Because I feel like they all feel good to play, but... I don't know, maybe Accelerator and Star... And true fascination. True fascination. I think I'm really excited about, um, just because that it's a, a lot of them. A lot of the songs were written as potential uh, live songs where we would like we extend. had parts that we could extend and turn into real like just dance uh, dance floor moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and we even had a version of Star that was ten minutes long. Yeah, there's a. Like a dance ten inch version, a classic Prince thing, like the end of "I Want to yeah, Be Your Lover" yeah. or something, um, where it had multiple kind of different stages that happened. So stuff like that, where I really am excited to play live because I think that's really what it was meant for. Um, so you see yourselves kind of busting out these alternate versions of some of the songs in the live setting. That's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, but I'm also really. I mean, not to just be talking about all the songs, but like a song like <laughs> Telephone Number, that one still like gives me the same feeling to when Nick first showed it to me. And I just feel like it can be so, it will be so emotional to me to like play that song and just feel so amazing. Can't fucking wait. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. As. Bart Scott of the Jets said 10 years ago in that interview. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) Let's play a couple of songs from your new record, Accelerator. We're going to play the first track, Accelerator Parts 1 and 2, and Saturday's Child. Everyone, you can get a copy on vinyl via the convenience.bandcamp.com. Say 
All right, we just heard two songs from The Convenience's new record, Accelerator. We heard Accelerator Parts 1 and 2. And Saturday's Child, everyone, it's out now via Windspear. You can get a copy via theconvenience.bandcamp.com. All right, let's dive into your picks. Wow, it's been so fun talking to Nick and Duncan of The Convenience, everyone. <laughs> they picked some great records, starting you off with yeah. <laughs> Come Live With Me, Angel by Marvin Gaye off of Want You. Tell me, why'd you pick this awesome song? So at a certain point when we were recording stuff, just those random ideas every week. I really clicked with, cause we were sending each other songs all the time too. And really just obsessing over music, especially soul and funk. And, mm -hmm. and I hadn't really gotten into Marvin Gaye before. I'd loved uh, the What's album. On? What's oh. going on? Yeah. I mean, I'd like, I'd liked it in yeah. high school and of course I knew it because everyone's like, that's the masterpiece, you know, yeah. and I, and the songs are great, but at the same time, it wasn't reaching the part of me yet where I was like obsessed. Uh, maybe I just wasn't old enough really to, to take it in. But I heard like, while we were making these songs, I heard let's get it on the album. And I was instantly floored like this is the greatest music i've ever heard it's so like funky and he sounds like he's just going off the off the dome yeah. like he's making these lyrics up but his voice is the deepest thing i've ever heard like some people so many there are so many great singers but marvin gay specifically will reach a place in me emotionally with his, with like one word that I can't get with anything else. And that that album just blew me away. And so the next thing I got into was I Want You, right? That's the album. Yeah. And same thing. Like, I just couldn't stop listening to it. I just, um, it's so earth shatteringly sad and hopeful. And like his inflections are just masterful. I can't say that enough. Um, and then this song, it's just um, great. The horn <laughs> arrangements are so cool. All the saxophone. Yeah. Um, it's like... There's these really subtle keys, like really low. Yes. Kind of clav and Rhodes, just kind of jamming too. Yeah. It, the way it's mixed and put together is insane. Yeah. And just like all the... Yeah, he was someone who I also didn't really understand that well either. I feel like it's just really mature. Like he has like big, huge songs that everyone knows, but... But his style versus like I was like I said before, I was like a Stevie Wonder guy and it's very like precise. And then but Marvin's like loose. And like you said about this record, it's like it all like flows together. Mm -hmm. It's like one big song. Yeah. But it it's like it's like taking the idea of like like he came from Motown or whatever and then just like stretched it beyond. He's like, I don't need to make anything that's like the songs I did before. Like yeah. it's like completely free. Yeah. And, and it seems like a completely direct expression. Like, no, there's no him plot. Like, you, 
I mean, this is the way I perceive it. It might be way different, but I don't hear him like plotting what he's going to say. I hear him like expressing exactly what is on his mind. Like even maybe before he realizes it, like directly to take through his, yeah. through his incredible instrument. Like it's, um, it's so honest and, uh, sensual and mm -hmm. deep. I just can't say deep enough. Yeah. Um, and I love the story of this record too, because like apparently, Le you know who Leon Ware, he's mm -mm. like another artist, like soul artist, but and he was like the main collaborator on "I Want You," and basically, Marvin Gaye heard <laughs> Leon Ware's album that he was working on, and then was like, "I like this. This will be my album." <laughs> and so then they took all the demos, really? and Marvin Gaye made them his songs. Wow. Um, Wow. But yeah, but it's great. The groove is great. The, all the little keyboard stuff, like it's really sophisticated melodically, the way it shifts. And it's so um, unique. That part chords. is so unique to him. These like my favorite chord, like slash chords is what we call them. But like these sort of suspended, very 70s, funky soul suspended chords. And then the notes that he'll choose and then other instruments will choose on top of them is like immediately like, oh, Marvin Gaye. Yeah. And we really enough like unstar. we made some bad songs that never came out that we were did. directly <laughs> influenced by. But this the stuff. but the but the kind of like flute part in Star, the instrumental part, has, definitely has these like choir strings, and the those choices, note wise, I just felt like that was like us like trying Complete Marvin Gaye trying yeah. to do that because there's just like certain things that he obviously liked, and that's just what gets me the most excited about music is like. I'm like a I'm like a theory nerd, <laughs> so it's like the way certain notes feel. I'm like, oh my god, that just like drives me nuts in the best way. Yeah. Next, an artist that definitely a big influence on the convenience. Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Private Joy off of Controversy. Probably my one of my favorite records by him, definitely. Hard to pick a favorite. And yeah. Obviously, so many reasons to love Prince. This record is so... Is obviously like a huge part of his like his like can and his like genius and it has like really big songs like controversy like the title track but th i feel like private joy is like a really underappreciated song in the prince world maybe like the real heads are like oh yeah great track but like that song just flips something in me like every time i hear it i go I just get like the biggest boost of dopamine in my yeah. in my whole body. Like I can't even. It's like pure bubble gum. It's insane. Hyper pop. It's it's like hyper. It's like pro, proto hyper pop. Like yeah. everything about it. And I because I was like, yeah. Every time I hear that song, it gives me the same feeling. But I was like listening to it, and it's just the. It was like the first song. I'm pretty sure it was like the first song that he put out where he used the Lindrum. Um. And he's like layering it with other drums, but it's like super rigid. But then everything around it, the keyboard parts, the vocals, the bass, 
are like these syncopated rhythms that just like swings are, are, so hard. It swings. It's like swirling around my head yeah. when I listen to it, and it's like, and it's all him doing it. It just blows my mind. But I really think it's like more people should know about the song. And it's another classic thing where it's like two words, and like the title is and the is such private joy. Like it's so simple, but it's also not. It's strange. Like it's not a regular combination of words. Like it's something that when you say it, it immediately like um, has a. a vibe like yeah, yeah. It, it has it's like one of those songwriting ideas and ray is really good about yeah like this where you put something together and it just like creates the entire idea of a song like it's just a a, a great yeah. title and a great it, it yeah. creates a whole narrative for you in yeah, two he, words and he know? does yeah he's like his ability to create a world within that structure and have it be so uniquely him and so like you you just feel that character that he's like creating and just the vocals, it's like the best vocal work of all time to me. I'm just like the biggest Prince stan, so it's like, uh, yeah, and he, like, I could go on and on. Like, he's just jamming with himself to the point, like, at the end where he says, like, it's like kind of a spoken part, and he says, you belong to Prince. And then there's this just <laughs> bass line. There's yeah. this epic bass like run where he's like, doo -doo 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 -doo. like he, so he's like saying you belong to Prince, and then he's playing on bass, this crazy thing but at the same time it sounds like a real band like a seasoned band but yeah can't can't say enough about that song Rippin' Eno, Evening Star, off of Evening Star. Yeah, I was I was really excited about seeing that in your collection. In more like, as of like, late, like during, during like lockdowns, during COVID and like, more recently I've been listening to a lot more ambient new age kind of stuff. And that record I heard pretty recently and I just like, could not believe the sounds on it. And I've like, I figured you probably heard it, um, because we talk about Fripp all the time. And Eno. And we and Eno, but like we, yeah, it's like, <laughs> but like just like the, I associate like some of your guitar choices like to the Fripp kind of thing, and yeah, obviously like Brian Eno is just the coolest like producer. Yeah. And 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 just everything about him is just amazing. But we definitely we got really. I think we got really influenced by kind of new age sound yeah. and, and, and just the way what ambient music can teach you about, or just the way it deals with texture and mm. stuff um, is so inspiring. And, and the way <clears throat> it's like a, you, I mean, this album is like a little more involved. I wouldn't even say it's ambient because Fripp is like so... It's not background music at all. Like yeah, he's so yeah. upfront and really melodic, which is not in the sort of you know book of uh, ambient. But but parts of it, it's like a combo that I love. So yeah, because it's it's like little uh, guitar melodies, and then later in that song, like a piano comes in, 
and it's very it's like what i really gravitate towards where it's like naive just like pretty and just doing something over and over and over and yeah. the beauty like the power that has yeah of just like living inside of this one melodic idea and then fripp is like he's stretching out on top of it he's yeah. like stretching this harmonic thing and he's playing certain notes and those just like all those choices are as as emotional as like words yeah you know yeah yeah and i yeah and this this one works on every level this pick for us i think it <laughs> uh, touches a lot of things so uh, yeah fripp is a huge influence on my guitar playing like i loved king crimson in in, in middle school and high school i was a prog rock nerd and I loved King Crimson, and he was my favorite guitar player forever. And so, you know, the, yeah, can't yeah. say enough good things about his guitar playing. Um, and then the stuff that they did with Bowie was also a huge influence on us. And stuff that I, I feel, I'm like a huge Bowie nerd too. And um, so that was obviously because it's like the best music, it's the, yeah. some of the best records ever, but. Um, but yeah, yeah it's right. great. Great stuff. You're three for three so far in awesomeness. And you're about to go four for four with some Kate Bush watching you without me off of Hounds of Love. You talked about Kate Bush a little earlier in our conversation about how her records really sound like nothing else. And it's very, very true, especially this one. Yeah. I just think she's the bravest artist. The, the things she does with her voice and the production and with melody it's yeah she's just there's no one like her and also she's so unafraid to put whatever she's interested in in the moment whether it's like celtic music or something or a book she's read like yeah she's just fearless best artist ever um and and this song specifically i love the just the um atmosphere of it it's really kind of melancholy but also playful and mysterious and specifically the thing that i was thinking about a lot when we were making this record and making newer music now is the way she does backup vocals and i was directly trying to do something like the mm -hmm, in the intro of the song i was trying to do some kind of backup vocal that did the same thing on our song fake Ro or yeah fake mm -hmm. roses in the chorus um i was pitching my voice down just like just trying to do a kate yeah. bush yeah. so yeah i love it but it's yeah it's like a, uh where the backing background vocal like it has the same like the voice is like the most powerful instrument to me but then she becomes another instrument like it's yeah. so it's so uh rhythmically tight and so hyper specific and her choices are just like i don't even i can't even believe it like yeah it's as fresh as 
anything. Yeah, it sounds completely new to me. Next up, Heim with Man from the Magazine off of Women in Music Part 3. New-ish record. Yeah. Really love this record. And I really love this song. We were kind of going back and forth on different songs. It kind of could have been any song from this album because we're both pretty uh, enamored with it. Heimheads. Heimheads. (laughs) 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 But yeah, the... That song to me is just, and that's that one is kind of an outlier, but it's in terms of production, but it's like really raw, and it's deserving to be like the, the, uh, like what the song is about and the lyrics. Like it's so, it's exactly what it should be like for that song to just really cut, and it's so heavy. Like every time I hear that, I just am like, they are the most, they're just one of the best bands, like some of the best songwriters, ever. Like. And yeah, the the energy of that song and just the rawness of the guitar and the vocals. And it reminds me of like, I don't, I don't want to make too many comparisons, but it reminds me to, of Joni Mitchell, yeah. like who's one of my favorite songwriters, like one of the best songwriters of all time. And so like, it has that kind of like melodic approach and, and just the way that it kind of slowly builds and just like, you know, I'm on the edge of my seat, like the whole time, you know? Now, I don't want to hear it is what it is, it was what it was. I don't want to hear it is what it is, it was what it was. You don't know how it feels, you expect me to deal with it till I'm perfectly numb. But you don't know how it feels. And after that, a band that you're in. <laughs> Living Alone by Video Age off of their album, Living Alone. Title track, great song, great record as well. From before your time in the band. Yeah, before we were, no involvement in this one. Just fans. Just fans. Yeah, because when I heard this record, I was like, this band is so fucking good. I remember when this record came out. And like came on my radar and I got it on vinyl. And then I remember it was like hard to get on vinyl then this first record. And I was like, I have a copy, dude. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. But um, yeah, were you fans before you, you met Ross, like a fan of this record before you met and started working with them? Oh yeah. I I was, um, yeah, I was, I always, like I said, like I've been a fan for years and I always felt like when this record came out, I didn't understand why it wasn't the biggest thing in the world. Cause I felt Same. like it was doing a similar thing that a lot of bands were doing at the time. But to me, the level of songwriting and the singing and the kind of, uh, it just was more. It was. It wasn't just like a lot of bands that kind of were operating in this 
area I felt were more style than substance. And this record was like had both. It was the bet like incredible songs, melodically amazing, um, and and it was stylish and, and cool like and like free. Punk, yeah, like kind of yeah. Uh, yeah, like the punk, like the energy of that. Mm. That it was hard to choose a song off this, but that one is immediately like just the speed of it, and it's kind of what I've been like chasing lately in music. But like, it's yeah, it's just like fast and like the groove is so like relentless. But then it has all, on this record the whole thing. Like Ross has like a great. It's like the song structure is like really like it's really strong, like the melodies and stuff. But then they he'll just like a huge like out of nowhere thing but it still makes so much sense like yeah. it's, it's all rooted in melody and like classic stuff so yeah to bring back to ross and ray's just like their ability to yeah like never they they're just like obsessed with songs mm -hmm. they're yeah they're incredible like crafts people yeah. you know they they're so strong at their craft which i admire Hunt by Vampire Weekend off of Modern Vampires of the City. Oh, when when I saw that in your in your list, I mean, because that's like that was like this record that I heard in high school, which actually I heard it. I was really late to Vampire Weekend. I was going to a piano lesson. Shout out Luciano Salvatore, piano <laughs> Jersey. Uh, shout out Luciano, what's up? <laughs> And and I was early, and I went to a Starbucks in Midland Park, and to get a coffee, and they were selling Modern Vampires of the City in, in Starbucks. the Starbucks. So I hate to be yeah. shouting out uh, Starbucks, but that's where I got the CD, wow. put it in the car, and it was like a, in the summer it came out, and I was just like, this is some of the best. Like I was freaked out over that record, and that song was, is like still my favorite from it. Um, and so when I like saw that, I was like. Oh my God. And I feel like I was like Hannah Hunt, Hunt and you were like, yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like, the greatest yeah, song. It's it, real good. He's the, Ezra's the strongest songwriter. Jersey guy. Like, or one of the, you know, of the, yeah. this era. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just so good. The so, lyrics are incredible. The, the production, like that was, I mean, cause I think it's, well, I guess Ariel. It's Ar Ariel Rexjad yeah, so and, yeah, like, and so, Rostam together. So yeah. yeah, same as the Heim record or similar production producers as the heim record yeah and yeah it's just like classic sounding things but, but the way futuristic, it's futuristic like nothing sounds like it and yeah yeah and just when he when he steps it up and does like the full belted the ending thing the ending Anaheim. it's like full bob dylan and or the, something it's the, amazing the sound on that vocal like it's i have chills right now like thinking about yeah. the sound that he got from that they got from that is like amazing yeah, and that just great lyrics, simple great lyrics. You know, can't totally. beat it. And that's hard to achieve. Sometimes. So hard. I just smiled and told him that I was only true of Hannah, and we glided on through Waverly and Lincoln. 
days were long and no long. And last, I love this song. I love this record. I love this band, Black and White by the DBs off of Stands for Decibels. It's cool that you picked the DBs because they actually just released this compilation of like lost recordings and stuff there's some like live recordings on it so everyone go check that out it's really good and they're a great band oh cool i gotta check that yeah, yeah. sounds good yeah i mean I, I feel like you could really go on about the song but you showed me the song so that was like and i and it was like a song that i would i would just run i would listen <laughs> i would go for runs and listen to that song like on repeat yeah like it gave me more energy than anything so yeah, that's like my favorite kind of, like that kind of power pop, like super loud kind of punk thing. That's like my favorite version yeah, of it. Yeah, it has so much energy. Like you, we were just listening to it when we were picking it because it is like one of my favorite songs. And um, and it does sound like they all have so, they're all like trying to catch up with each other. Like there's, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like grappy, like like they're all like so caffeinated or something that yeah <laughs> it's like almost like the song is about to run away from them yeah. but it's non yeah it's like non-stop it's like with the private joy thing you were talking yeah. about like yeah dopamine mm -hmm. just hit and it, you made a good point that the like the second verse production choices the arrangement is real it is so exciting and weird like, yeah and like there's this part where the guitar drops out and it's just the synth and like with one note, even though there are chords going on, but it's just everything holds on this one note and the vocal keeps going. And it's it's a great amazing choice. And it's it's really yeah, I mean like it's kind of a sad, you know, the lyrics of the song. It's but like it, but it, it's like I don't enjoy you anymore. It's like so harsh. But then some of the other lyrics it's are just funny though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like who uh, who knows what it really means if it means anything but like yeah all the all the other lyrics are like they stick with me love like, is the answer <laughs> love to the, the question oh but thanks the for the suggestion <laughs> like it's like <laughs> yeah great kind of tongue-in-cheek yeah 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 that's a great part of the song especially kind of the the halting way he's delivering those lines yeah. too very cool. and the vo his voice is yeah. so good like um yeah great voice everyone sadly coming to the end of today's episode with nick and duncan of the convenience wow we had almost like too much fun talking <laughs> today the three of us are buddies now after spending the last hour with each other talking it's about true. their awesome new it's i'm coming to true. jersey yeah when you're in new york we're gonna hang out i'm gonna come to either the convenience or a video edge gig please and we'll have a good time their new album accelerator is rad it's out now on windspear you can get it at the convenience.bandcamp.com get your hands on that limited edition clover 
vinyl. It looks gorgeous. Only nine remaining of the t-shirt bundle. So you're going to want to get your hands on that. Also available on cassette and compact disc as well. So you mentioned that you're about to hit the road with video age. You're starting out west and then I guess working your way back east. Any plans to play convenience gigs this year, early next year? Are you going to be hitting the road as well? We, we're, we're thinking, yeah, early next year would probably be like our first show. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've got plans of trying to do some, a few things, starting small, going out outside of New Orleans. Yeah. Um, so but we're putting together the band right yeah, now, you know, yeah. so it, it'll happen sooner, sooner rather than later, I think. Ne- next, early next year, I'd look out for it. Awesome. Can't wait for the convenience to take these tunes on the road. Very excited to hear Saturday's Child in a packed, sweaty club. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Thanks, Nick and Duncan, thank you so much. Everyone grab a copy of Accelerator. It's awesome. Thank Thanks, you. y'all. Thanks, Tom, so much. This was awesome. This was so much fun, yeah. We're going to play one more track before we finish the program. We're going to play the last track on Accelerator telephone number. Again, everyone, get yourself a copy on vinyl via the convenience.bandcamp.com. <laughs> 